church at Goose Creek High School. She lived there with her three kids, sons Chris and Caleb, and her daughter Cameron. She was a single mom whose friends described her as really having to work hard to raise her kids right. She was actively involved in her kids' lives, attending sporting events, extracurricular activities, etc. Her friends say about her that she was an extremely hardworking woman who influenced everyone around her every day by the words she offered and by the big smile that was always on her face. And on the day of June 17th, it seemed like a very normal day for Sharonda and her children. Sharonda had gone about her normal day, taking her children to school and working at the school all day. Around 4 or 5, she left, and she went to visit some of the people from her church congregation who were sick and in need of help. She spent a few hours doing this and then went to church. This was a Wednesday evening for the Wednesday night Bible study. Nothing was out of the ordinary. After school, the kids went about their normal sporting activities and other extracurricular activities. They went home for the evening while their mother was out finishing her busy schedule for the day. Around 8.30 that Wednesday evening, Chris gave his mother a call, interrupting her Bible study to inquire about the TV remote. Sharonda had hidden it to prevent her youngest son from playing video games all night. She whispered in hushed tones to her son where the remote was, one, to avoid interrupting the Bible study, but two, to prevent her youngest son from hearing her secret location for the remote. But because of the Bible study going on and her need to leave that call quickly, Chris and his mother ended that phone call quickly, not knowing that in that moment they were sharing their last words together. Because less than 30 minutes later, Sharonda Singleton was gunned down during her Bible study along with eight other people in the church building that evening in Charleston, South Carolina. Many of you probably heard the story of the South Carolina shooting. It happened about a year and a half, two years ago, um, during the summer. I'm sure you've heard of it because it was on the news every day, all day, for weeks following the event. But I find it interesting about the coverage of the story after the shooting took place that and that, that the, they normally will cover in, in news coverage, they'll cover the lives of these victims up until the shooting occurs, and then from the shooting on, they cover the shooter, what happens in the court case and the trial and how that affects the political culture in the nation and how all of that plays out. And often they overlook some of the best parts of these stories, some of the positive parts of these stories. Now, you may think, how can there be a positive result or a positive thing that the news could be covering in this story? And, well, the news missed one with the story of Sharonda and her family. It was covered mostly by local news stations in their area. A few national uh, stations picked it up for a little bit. But the story of Chris and Cameron Singleton following the, the shooting of their mother is one that I think was inspiring, and I think it's a good one that I wanted to share with you. Because the night that their mother died, Chris and Cameron, the two oldest of Sharonda's kids, began planning their words for interviews and questions that people would probably have, and people would be asking them, how are you doing? How do you feel about the situation? How are things going for you? Can we help you? 
Well, Chris and Cameron decided that they had a message that they wanted people to hear. Their desire was to express how they were feeling about this terrible tragedy and this event that took place. The day after the shooting, less than 24 hours, a news station asked Chris how he felt about what had happened. And he said, we are very sorry that this has happened. We're mourning the loss of our mother, but we will move on. Chris later said, we have decided to forgive the one who did this. In our minds, it's finished. The reporter in the interview asked Chris, are you telling me that right now you forgive Dylan Roof, the person who shot your mother dead last night? Chris responded, we are bitter about losing our mother, but love is stronger than hate, so we forgive him. Well, this was a surprising twist to this conversation and this interview that not many people saw coming and still not a lot of people understand. Within 24 hours of his mother being shot, Chris, along with his sister, were motivating people towards love and motivating people towards forgiveness. Now, they also made it clear they didn't want anyone to misunderstand. They weren't saying the shooter should be left off the hook or that he shouldn't suffer the consequences of his actions. But the bitter feelings of hatred and, and bitterness in their minds, there was no place for them. It was not the time or need for those things. Like I said, this is an amazing story. A very positive light amidst a time of great sorrow. Now, many people take times like that to focus their attention on racism and gun control and the legal system and using their anger and their hatred for the people involved to drive their cause further. Yet two people who I would argue would are most uh, are closest to this situation were not talking about those things. The families of the, of this victim as well as a few of the others were talking about love and forgiveness. When you hear that story about this woman, this very nice woman, very hard-working, kind woman being killed unexpectedly, how does that make you feel? And what's your reaction? I can say for me, forgiveness and is not something that typically comes to the forefront of my mind in that situation. It's not our typical reaction when something bad like this occurs, especially murder. Now, with that being said, think about the things in your life that you get hung up on. Things that may happen to you that cause you to feel bitter, to feel angry. I know that there are things in my life that can cause that to happen, and none of them, if I'm being honest, can relate to what Chris and Cameron were going through. Yet still... I can allow those things to drive my emotions and to drive my decisions because forgiveness is not something that comes easy to me. I would like for us tonight to look at forgiveness, to look in our Bibles at the teachings of Jesus specifically, to to look more into the, the role of forgiveness and what it should play in our lives. We see forgiveness very clearly many places in our Bible. Jesus obviously being one of the best examples of this. Even at the point of death on the cross, Jesus proclaimed, Father, forgive. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. 
This is where we'll spend most of our time this evening. I want to use the teachings of Jesus as source material for us in our study of forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable that teaches about God-like forgiveness. And I'd like for us to read this parable and draw a few points from it. Look in Matthew chapter 18 and start reading with me in verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion. And released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. I want to make a few points from this parable that I think Jesus is making very clear to us about forgiveness and the role that it should play in our lives. The first point would be it's difficult. Now you may be saying, yeah, that's obvious, but I want to point this out because it's not something that we should overlook. We shouldn't expect it to be easy. Forgiving people is not an easy thing to do. The main reason for us needing to forgive someone usually is because they've done something to us. Whether they have a legitimate re or whether we have a legitimate reason to be upset or not is a different story, but for whatever reason, we feel like we have a good reason to be upset. Having this Having this mistake forgiven and putting it behind us is just not what that person deserves, at least in our mind. Look back in Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 24 and 25. It said, when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, the Lord commanded him to be sold. This man owed a good amount of money. He was not innocent in the matter by any means. He owed a lot of money and had no way to pay it back. There was a reason for this man to be punished. There was a reason for him to be in debt. I want to put his debt into perspective. One talent 
if you're unaware, is equal to about 15 to 16 years worth of wages. Therefore, this man owed 10,000 talents. So he owed somewhere equivalent to 160,000 years worth of wages. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Is that easy to forgive? No. (laughs) I've never seen that amount of money. But if I had, I can guarantee you, I wouldn't forget it very easily. This, was, this had to be hard. It was not easy. But the king still let him go debt-free. I think sometimes we can even get hung up on the 787 that we lend to our friend at Chick-fil-A when they forgot our wallet. That small bit of money, sometimes we can get hung up on. And I say that in light, but also to say... Sometimes we can get hung up on silly things. Maybe they seem big to us, and you know what? Maybe they are big. Maybe they're not small. This lesson translates to all things. Sometimes our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as others, can do some serious harm to us, either physically or emotionally. But this parable shows us that it doesn't matter how great of an affliction there may be between my brother and I. There's no reason why I shouldn't forgive him. And I should not expect it to be an easy thing. Just because it's hard doesn't mean they can't be forgiven. Jesus himself proclaimed, as my title suggests, in Luke 23, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You remember the context of that statement, right? Jesus is on the cross being killed. He's being murdered, and the them he is saying to forgive, are those people who are killing him, those people who have been mocking him all day, spitting on him, driving the nails through his hands. Do you think it was easy to say that? If it were me, it would not be easy for me to be thinking about forgiving these people. They didn't deserve forgiveness. They didn't want forgiveness because they continued to do this to Jesus. But it didn't matter how difficult it was. He forgave them. So for us, that means sometimes we're going to have to look past potentially some really big problems and some big offenses in order to forgive other people. As we've said, forgiveness is not an easy thing to do. But it's something that we can all do at any time. And Jesus makes that clear because of the second point, which is that it's our choice. Forgiveness is a choice. Look back in verse 26, Matthew 18. So the slave fell to the ground, and he was saying, Have patience with me. I will repay you. But then the Lord felt compassion and let him off the hook for all this debt. Who made the decision for the forgiveness? It was the king. The slave said, I'll I'll repay it. Trust me, I will, I will do what I can to repay it. And the king says, no, I forgive you. It was the king's choice in this parable. Forgiveness was the king's idea. He came up with that on his own. The slave didn't ask for it. Forgiveness needs to be our idea. When we're having a discussion with someone, maybe about a problem, forgiveness should be what we bring to the table. We can set the example. It's our choice. It doesn't matter what our brother has done to us. It doesn't matter 
whether he's apologized to us or not. Forgiveness should be how we react to the situation, to calm the situation. It seems as if we can get caught up thinking that forgiveness cannot come until I feel better about the situation. It cannot come until that person is ready for me to forgive them, until they've made the changes. Once they do it, then I'll forgive them when it's easy for me. I'm still too angry. They hurt me too bad. Can't do it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. I bring this verse up because Paul says here to take our bitterness, wrath, and anger and put it away. Not sit back and wait for it to go away. Put it away. That takes action on our part. The, the phrase put away here means to pick it up, take it somewhere else, and leave it there. And don't return to it. You have chosen to put it away from you. That's what Paul is saying we need to do with these angry feelings or these, these bitter feelings of wrath and anger. Not being angry or not being upset with some, someone is not always something that's just going to happen over time. It's something we must choose to do. Again, think about Jesus on the cross. Were those people asking him to, to forgive them? No. Did they, did they feel bad about what they were doing? No. Do you think Jesus was still feeling the, the pain from what these people were doing? Yes, he's still hanging on the cross. But he chose, despite how difficult it was, to forgive them. It could not have been easy. We sing the song 10,000 Angels, saying that Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. He could have destroyed these people, ended the earth and set himself free. But he chose not to do that. He chose to take the high road. And to forgive these people. Jesus teaches us that we should choose to forgive people. Despite the fact that it's difficult. And once we do that. We need to recognize. That it's the end. It's the end of the matter. In the parable in verse 27. The Lord the Lord of the slave felt compassion, released him, forgave him of all debt. He didn't say, well, I'll reduce it or, or I'll let you pay it back, you know, in periods over time. He completely wiped it away. What if the king had said, continue working for me, but you better work hard. You better work hard to prove to me that you're thankful for me forgiving you. And that servant worked every single day from that point forward, and the king always reminded him, remember what I did for you. Remember that. You owe me. You know what that is, right? It's holding a grudge. I had it said to me once from a gentleman who was upset with another man in the church that they could not put a matter behind them. They couldn't work together. And when I asked him why, he said, 
I just can't ignore what he did to me. I, I forgive him, but I just can't look past it. I, you know, I'm not going to forget about it. But my response would have been to that man, if I would have been, which is it? Do you forgive him or do you choose not to forget about it? There can only be one or the other. Paul said in Ephesians 4.31, which we read a second ago, to put those feelings away. This means they're gone. It doesn't, it doesn't say store those things in your back pocket in, t- in case you ever need them later. It says put them away. They are, they are taken away from you. If, not, if I'm not going to ignore the fact that my brother has done me wrong, and if I'm going to remember that every single day and remind him and others what I've done for him in forgiving him, then I can't call it forgiveness because it's not. We've repeatedly talked about Jesus showing forgiveness to the people while he was on the cross. So l- let's look at a different example of, of God and his forgiveness. It mentioned in Hebrews ten seventeen. About, his, about God's forgiveness to us, he says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. See, there's the concept of forgiveness that we're striving for. It's putting the past in the past and, doing, and, and remembering it no more. That's how God treats our sins when he forgives us. When we do what's necessary to receive forgiveness and salvation... It's as if the sins never happened. That's what God is willing to do for us if we do what it takes to receive salvation. He forgets them entirely. They're gone. They're wiped away. Well, if we're still holding a grudge, it means we've yet to forgive. And when we do this, we, um, we have to put these things behind us. We have to forgive our brother, and that means it's over. When we do this, we aren't going to get upset with our brother anymore. We're not going to bring those things up anymore. We're not going to remind them because we put these things behind us. Now, the illustration follows. When we put things behind us, the only way we're going to see them again is if we turn around and we go backwards. And that's the concept of this lesson. Choosing not to forgive and dwelling on the past means we're not moving forward. Issues and problems that we choose to hold on to and to not forgive people for are roadblocks. They impede our progression. They impede our growth in the relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ and in our relationship with God. It prevents us from moving forward because we're focused on what's behind us. And that's a problem. If we want to grow in our relationship with God and with other people, we have to forgive and put these problems in the past. God has commanded us to do this because he first did it for us. Which brings me to point number four, which is that it's expected. The slave in the story was forgiven a huge debt, as we already saw, an equivalent of 160,000 years worth of wages. But then we see he chose not to forgive his fellow slave who owed him 100 denarii. And because of that, the king says to him, I forgave you an incredible amount of money. You couldn't have shown the slightest bit of mercy to your fellow slave. And he was punished for this. Because he chose not to forgive, he was not forgiven. 
Now, this is the same, um, the same situation for us. The parable, obviously, God is the king, and we are that servant. God has forgiven us immensely. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, it says there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks God, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have fallen short. But in spite of that, chapter 4, verse 5 of Romans says that God justifies those who are ungodly. He counts their, he credits their faith as righteousness. And he forgives us. God has forgiven us a tremendous debt. It's a, it's a debt that we owe to him as penalty for our sin. And we need to recognize just how immense the forgiveness is that we've been given. Think about this in the context of the parable again. The difference between the money that the slave owed to the king and that the fellow slave owed to this slave. Now at face value, those two values look incredibly different. 10,000 talents versus 100 denarii. But it actually is an even bigger difference than it looks. One talent is about 16 years of wage. One denarii is only one day's worth of wage. So if you do all of the, the math and the conversions there, the slave was forgiven by the king s almost 60 million denarii. And he's upset about 100. He was forgiven a debt so large that he would never repay it, not in this lifetime or any lifetime. He would not have made that much money. And he was forgiven it, and now he's upset about a hundred denarii. It puts into perspective just what the king did. Now parallel that to God, to God, the debt that God has forgiven us is even greater than that. It's a debt that also we can never repay. It's not 60 million days worth of wage. We couldn't repay our debt to God if we lived 60 million lifetimes. It's impossible to measure the debt that God has given to us or that he's freed from us, freed us from. And for that reason, we should have no trouble forgiving other people of these relatively simple earthly matters. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty five, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who is in heaven, will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, who is in heaven, forgive your transgressions. God has forgiven us, so he expects us to forgive other people. We have to forgive other people. What Jesus says in Mark 11 must be our mindset. Always, especially any time when we're dealing with issues and problems within the church, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to put these things behind us if we want to move forward. Paul says to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 13 of, the, of that epistle that we must bear together, forgiving one another for any complaint we may have against one another. Bearing with one another presents the idea of enduring and suffering together. 
we're all in this together. We're all striving for the same goal. And we need to be helping each other. Because God has forgiven us, it, it, it should be nothing for us to forgive each other and to work together and to strive towards the common goal. And we're all going to be held to an obligation by God to let our troubles go with one another. Because part of our salvation is dependent on our ability to forgive other people. And we can't forget that. Forgiveness is a vital piece of our salvation, both in our need of forgiveness from God and our need to forgive others. Today I urge you to examine your life and the attitude that you have of forgiveness as I'm doing for myself. And I pray that we'll all learn lessons from Jesus and from the parable that we looked at tonight in Matthew 18 about how to better, better ourselves and, and, and understand how forgiveness should play a part in our lives. It doesn't matter what other people do to us. Whatever they've done, whether they're gossiping and spreading rumors, they're telling other people, maybe they've failed us in a time of need, or even if they've done something as drastic as murder one of our family members. Chris and Cameron Singleton showed people a lesson that day. When they showed people the mindset that Christians should have when it comes to forgiveness. Yes, people will suffer the earthly consequences of their actions. But we don't have to be hate, hate, hateful and, and bitter about those things. We can put stuff behind us and we can move forward. And we need to do that. We need to be able to forgive other people. As we've said, God has offered forgiveness to us for our sins. To forgive us of a debt that we will never be able to repay. He will take our sins and our transgressions and forget about them and put them in the past. For us, that's necessary to enter into salvation and to enter into eternal life with him in heaven. If that's something that you've yet to take part in, do that today. God is offering forgiveness beyond anything you will ever receive from anyone else. So take advantage of it. Tonight, if you need to do that, come forward and let us help you. Seek prayers, seek help from us any way we can, or be baptized into Jesus Christ if you have not done that yet. And you'll receive the forgiveness that God is promising to us. If you need that or you need help of any kind tonight, I encourage you to come forward as we stand and as we sing.